Saw dudes, welcome back to the Secret Language Podcast. How are you guys doing? Happy Monday. Um, hope you guys had a good week. Hope you had a good weekend. Hope you have a good week this week. Um, it's good to be back. It's good to be talking to you guys. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit this week about an experience that I had doing something that I had never done before. Actually, technically two things that I had never done before. Um, but before I jump into that, I was given word by one of our listeners that last week's episode, the audio just cut out. It just stopped about halfway through and skipped on to the next episode, uh, which is troubling because I sit alone in my little room and I talk for half an hour and I record it and I post it and you guys are kind enough to listen. But if you're only going to listen to half of it, then you only get half of my incoherent thoughts. And they don't have the chance to become coherent. So um, I'm going to put a poll up on our Instagram, which I haven't put anything up on our Instagram in a while. So that might be news. But I'm going to put a poll up. And if the podcast cut out for you guys last week, I will look into finding a new podcast host, like a place to post it. Um, I know you guys would rather have a new podcast host, likely Matt. But, you know, sorry, you're stuck with me. Um but I'll find, I'll, I might start posting it to a new place to distribute it if it's going to keep being an issue. So there's that. Thank you, guys. Um, so this past weekend, well, not exactly this weekend. Let's give some backstory. I am all over the place already. Woo. Um, my wife works nights. She's a nurse. She works three nights a week. From 7 in the evening till 7.30 in the morning. She doesn't make it home till about 8.30, 9 o'clock. It's a thing that we do. You know, it's not necessarily fun. It's not necessarily what we want to do. But it's kind of where we're at. That's kind of how new nurses get experience. You know, you come right out of school and that's kind of the low guy in the totem pole. Just kind of what you got to do. So we are in the middle of that. Which means that three nights a week... I'm batching it. I'm all alone. So I got to find something to do. Sometimes I'll go out to the central west side of St. Louis, which is a lot of fun, really cool area. Might hang out there. But most of the time, if I'm being totally honest with myself, I sit at home and watch a movie. Because I love watching movies and the weather's not been so great, so it's not like I can get out and do much. But I, I watch a lot of movies, which you guys know about. I, I talk about it fairly frequently. Um, but this past week, my wife was working on Thursday and we'd had a gospel meeting on Sunday through Wednesday. So we had been out every night of the week. We were tired and I was like, just kind of restless, I guess. Like I had been out, but I'd been at church. So it doesn't really count as being out at least not in my head. Like I don't register like, Oh yeah, I went out the other day. It's like, no, I was just at church. Um, but it was a great gospel meeting. I don't want to sound like I'm complaining about it. It was really excellent. We had a fantastic speaker. It was really encouraging. Really, really loved being there, but I was feeling kind of restless on Thursday night. I was like, if I have to sit alone in this house, I'm going to lose my mind. And so I hopped on the old IMDB and looked at showtimes in my area. And a lot of theaters have been doing this since, uh, COVID started and since, you know, they've been running on like a limited capacity, they will do whatever they can to get people in the doors. Um, I've actually seen that a lot of theaters are just like, you can rent out the entire theater 
like an entire theater in in their, you know, giant theater, I guess. You know, you can rent out one room and you can do whatever you want. You can hook up like your PlayStation or bring your own movie or do whatever. Like they've been doing that. That seems kind of neat. Actually, that'd be a lot of fun. I might want to look into that. Anyways, um, a lot of theaters have been showing older movies for like five bucks. Kind of some classics, some things that everyone loves. Five dollars, just like anything they can do to get some business. And so I was kind of like, let's find me a good five dollar movie because I'd really like to get out of the house. But I don't want to spend money. And I found E.T. was showing at a theater. And I was like, fantastic. I will get out of the house and I will go see E.T. Because I've never seen it. I've never seen E.T., which seems totally bizarre to a lot of people. And, you know, that seems reasonable. I'm not going to fight them on it. E.T. is kind of like one of those all-time classics of sorts. I mean, it's not that old. But, I mean, it's pushing 40 years now. So, like, it's an older movie. Everyone loves it. It's a classic. You know. You know, it's kind of, like, ingrained in our culture in a way. Like, we know E.T. phone home, but that's, like, reasonably the extent of which I knew the movie. And I was like, cool, I'll go see that, and I'll go to the movies by myself. Which is kind of, like, the first thing that I'd never done that I kind of want to talk about. Like, I don't know what it is, but to me there's some kind of, like, romantic idea in my head about going to the movies by myself. Like, I don't know what it is. When I first heard about people that would go to the movies alone, I was like, that's kind of weird, but like really cool. I kind of want to do that. But I never have because I'm not used to having money to just throw around. For one thing, like movies are fairly expensive. I mean, it's not outrageous, but if you spend $12 every week, I mean, that adds up pretty quickly. That's approximately $50 a month. That's about $600 a year you spend just going to the movies. Um, So, like, that's been one reason why I never have. And the other reason is that by the time I had the real freedom to go to movies whenever I wanted, just by general proximity, I was at FC. Um, I grew up in a town where our nearest, the nearest movie theater to us was at least half an hour, 45 minutes away. So, like, we did not go to the movies frequently growing up. But by the time I went to Florida College, there were theaters everywhere. But I started dating Sarah, uh, like, November of our freshman year. So, I always had someone to go with, so I really had no reason to go alone. So, I had just never done it. And now I've got three nights a week where I do nothing, where I have no plans, really. And so, if $5 movies are going to continue to be a thing, I will be going to $5 movies alone fairly frequently. And that sounds great. Like, I love it. Um... I liked going to the movies alone. It was kind of fun Um, because when you think about it, what's the difference between me sitting alone on my couch watching a movie when Sarah's at work versus driving out and going to a movie theater and watching a movie alone while Sarah's at work? Um, Well, the seats are comfier because this theater chain has the dream lounger, like the really comfortable seats with the little electronic button that you push that like leans you back. Oh, fantastic seats. Uh, The seat's more comfortable, uh, the screen is bigger and better, and the sound quality is better. So um, I'll pay $5 to have better seats, better screen, better sound, and I'll pay like a dollar more than I would to rent a movie on Amazon. 
So, uh, yeah, it seems like it makes a lot of sense. Of course, that's that sounds great. I love that. So, you know, I Sarah left for work. I sat around for a few minutes where I had to leave for the theater, and I drove off. Um, usually, Sarah and I would stop at, like, a Walgreens and get sweet tart ropes because those are our favorite thing to get in the theater. Um, they're, they're fantastic little snacks. Like, I love them to death. They're kind of like nerd ropes, but sweet tarts. They're fan. They're really good. It's like, it's kind of a tradition with Sarah and I. That's what we always get every time we go see a movie. But I never been to this theater and I wanted to be on time and I did not see a Walgreens CVS. I didn't see a drugstore anywhere between where I was in the theater. So I just said, whatever, I'll just buy candy. Um, I gotta say, it's much more challenging to sneak food into the theater when you don't have a wife with her giant purse. Like, I have to start getting real creative if I'm going to start sneaking candy into the theater. Because having Sarah in a purse, just like, yeah, we'll just put it in the purse. Like, I have to hide it somewhere on my person. And I don't wear baggy clothes. So, you gotta start, you know, like, tucking it into the waistband of your pants or whatever. And I don't know. I just didn't do it this time because I didn't see a drugstore, but <clears throat> it was fun. I, you know, I kind of, kind of lonesome feeling, I guess, not really in a bad way. Like I kind of like that feeling a little bit. Like I'm going to sit here quietly alone and enjoy this movie. And I, I like to watch movies that are generally really good. I like quality films. And so watching E.T. for the first time in my life in a theater, like, that's way better than sitting and watching it on my couch. Like, you couldn't ask for a better experience to see, I think, any movie for the first time. Like, movies are made to be seen in theaters, and they're distributed to make more money so that we can watch them in our homes. Like, let's be honest. So that was really a great experience. But I think the one drawback to seeing movies in a theater alone is the feeling after you leave. Like, after you walk out of the theater, like, what's... If you think about it, what do you always do when you're walking out of the theater? Uh, you're standing around talking to your friends, like, dude, what'd you think of the movie? And, like, you're really happy and you're excited. And, like, I was walking out of the theater and I'm, like, laughing to myself. I was like, man, that movie was great. I really enjoyed it. And, like, thinking about the plot and the story and all this stuff. I'm thinking about it and it's like... I don't have anyone to talk to about it. Sarah's not here. We don't get to discuss the movie the way that we that I'm used to when you're walking out of a theater. And, like, we even do it at home. Like, we'll watch a movie and we're like, well, that was great. Or, like, that kind of stunk. So I, I missed that. I missed walking out of that theater with that happy feeling of, like, we just went and saw a movie and that's fun and now let's talk about it. And that was kind of missing. And... That's fine. I mean, I still talk to Sarah about movies a little bit, but it's different when you're disconnected. Like, I've seen it, and she's seen it a long time ago, and now I want to talk about it, and she doesn't remember it very well, or whatever it is. Like, it's a non-ideal situation. So, I think that's the one drawback. The one thing that I, I don't like about it is not being able to stand around and discuss the movie with, you know, your friends, the people that you love. So... Um, I want to talk about E.T. now, just because I can only talk for so long about not seeing, about going to the theaters alone, but also because, like, E.T. is 
a popular movie. It's, like I said, it's very ingrained in our culture. Like, we know what E.T. is. We know what that's all about. And I've never seen it. I'm, I'm a 23-year-old, and I've never seen E.T., um, which is a little, like, it's kind of wild. It really, truly is. Like, my parents aren't movie people. Like, really by any stretch of the imagination. I think my dad probably hasn't seen a movie with my mom, just like the two of them going out on a date. And I mean, I wouldn't even know because I'm pretty sure they've never done that on a date since they've had kids, at least like I've, I'm not sure that that has ever happened. Like they just, they don't care for movies. Um, they'll watch them at home, but like they, they don't care about, you know, necessarily, is it a quality movie? Is it kind of junky? Or, like, sharing movies that they loved from their past. Like, they never have done that. So, like, for, for an example, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong came out recently on HBO Max. And the only reason my parents have HBO Max is because Wonder Woman 1984 came out on Christmas Day. And my parents wanted to watch that. So, you know, they got it. And then they were like, well, HBO Max is pretty cool. And they just held on to it. My parents watched Godzilla vs. Kong. And... <laughs> My mom stayed awake through the whole thing, which is bizarre, because I think my mom stays awake through about 30% of all movies. And the fact that she stayed awake through Godzilla vs. Kong is insane to me. And, like, the only reason that I've ever seen movies like Jurassic Park, and in this case, like, E.T. or Jaws, is because, like, I went out and saw them on my own. And, like, I don't know what movies my parents liked or even watched growing up like it's just it's something that they don't really care about it's not something that they felt is important or they have felt is important to share with us and like that's fine I I don't care um but it's just it's weird because I've grown up and I've you know I discuss movies with people and they're like oh have you seen this like no I've not seen this how have you not seen this I'm like my parents don't care about movies it's like we never went to the movies and our options for renting a movie where I grew up is slim to none. There's really not much you can do. And so if my parents didn't have it, we didn't really rent it. We didn't go see it. Like I just, I, I grew up not seeing very many movies that a lot of people like grew up with. And, and E.T. is like, I think kind of a prime example. Like I've never seen it. I'm 23. It's been out for almost 40 years. <laughs> and I'm sure my parents saw it growing up. I'm almost for sure they did. And they just never cared to show it to me. And that's fine. Like like I said, I'm not in any way upset about that. But um, seeing it for the first time in a theater is definitely the way to do it. Um, a John Williams score is meant to be heard in a theater. Like, it's, it's gorgeous to listen to. So I just kind of want to start from the beginning. Like, what were my thoughts on the movie? Um, I knew so little about this movie coming into it. Like, I actually knew actually kind of a little bit. Not a ton, though. Like, I, I knew the idea was aliens come to Earth, alien gets left behind, child finds an alien, child helps alien get back. Like, I knew that generally that was the plot. But how it happened... 
no, I didn't really know much. I didn't know any details. I couldn't tell you the child's name in the movie. I knew so little, like just, I had so little like prior knowledge coming into this movie that it's really, uh, it was really great to kind of see it with really, really fresh eyes. I might leave there just to drive some people nuts. I don't know. Um, so coming in and having not seen it was like, like I said, fresh eyes. Fantastic. So the movie starts with, uh, the aliens touching down and they're kind of walking around and like grabbing stuff and bring it back into their spaceship. And we see that there's this group of people looking around. They, they think there was a touchdown of a spaceship, which there was. And they start looking around, like, trying to, to find the spaceship, trying to find the little aliens or whatever. And so they're running around. And the first thing that stands out to me about this movie is there are a lot of silhouette shots. Like, if you just look back at it, even just, like, stills, like, just still photographs of, like, the screen, um, there are a lot of shots where the characters are backlit and they're just a silhouette. Like, you don't see the aliens until 20 minutes into the movie. And I think that's a strength. Like, don't get me wrong on that. I think that is overwhelmingly a strength. Like, you you have these aliens, and because the idea of alien can be taken so many ways, and they can be designed so many different ways, like, yeah, get creative with it. Like, draw the audience out. Let them build the suspense on what does this thing actually look like? Give us hints, but never give us details. I'm all about that. That's fantastic. But you have these, I'm going to call them the antagonists, but I'm going to get to them later. <laughs> um, you have these people running around and you never see a clear shot of anything. Like you see a silhouette of them running around, but the only clear thing that you see is a set of keys on a guy's belt loop, which my first thought was, why are they showing us this? Because uh, I ultimately kind of believe that quality films, anyways, everything is shown to you for a reason. And, you know, the first rule of, of, of a screenplay is show, don't tell. Like, we, learn, we can learn so much visually about a story or about a character that we don't have to take the time to explain it in words if we can just show it. And so I'm thinking, why are they showing this group of people running through the woods at night. You can't see anything, but they're making such an effort to show us his keys jangling around on his belt loop. Like, okay, they're going to come back to this later. We're going to see a character later with keys on his belt loop. And we're going to go, that's the guy that was chasing the aliens in the woods. And like, that's the idea. I get that. But, you know, the aliens leave because they're getting chased and E.T. gets left behind. Uh, also, sorry, I should have said this earlier. Spoiler alert. We're going to spoil E.T. a little bit. Um, I think this is only really a spoiler alert for, like, my younger sister, who I think still listens to this podcast. So I'm sorry, Megan. I love you. But I'm going to spoil this movie. So, sorry. <laughs> um, so, you know, E.T. gets left behind, and he's just kind of wandering around, I guess. And we get introduced to this band of kids, um, mostly just the main character, Elliot, who uh, 
discovers E.T. hanging out in his shed. And he freaks out, like any kid would. Like, I think at some point your natural reaction is to be scared, and then you're like, oh, this is the coolest thing ever. I have an alien. I mean, yeah, I get it. I was I was an eight-year-old kid once, totally behind it. Um, and so, like, he goes and tells his family and his brothers. He's like, oh, my goodness, there's an alien. And they're like, uh, whatever, you're making this up. You're a liar. We don't believe you, blah, blah, blah. And, like, yeah, sure, I get it. You kind of got to do that. Um, but later on, he goes back outside and he sneaks out of the house to go back and look for the little goblin. That's what they called it. And he eventually finds E.T. And he lures him into his home with Reese's Pieces, which, uh, okay, sure. I mean, one of my, one of my key issues with this movie, and I guess it's not really an issue, I guess it's just kind of a, an observation, a storytelling point, I guess, is that we make the assumption the entire movie, or at least the movie makes the assumption, that E.T., this alien that is thousands of years old from another planet, biologically works the same way we do. Um, like, later on in the film, again, spoiler alert, you should know this, um, E.T. gets very sick and is starting to die, and, like, they've got oxygen tubes running up to his nose, they're doing CPR on him, and, like, we're making, we're just kind of like, okay, this alien from another planet biologically works the same way that we humans do. How fortunate for us. Like, they used a defibrillator on the little dude. Like, okay, whatever. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know, like, this idea that you feed this alien Reese's Pieces and he doesn't just keel over and die immediately is just kind of funny to me. Like, I think <laughs> it would almost be funnier if that was the case. Like, this kid finds this alien and he feeds him Reese's Pieces and they just dies just immediately just keels over and dies that would be hilarious to me um so you know naturally the kid hides the alien in the house because he loves it and he cares about it and he hides it from his mom which of course is the natural eight-year-old thing to do um and he's trying to communicate with et you know just trying to get it to talk to him and he Actually, his younger sister, which is even weirder, his younger sister manages to teach him English uh, in, like, the matter of a day, which, again, is like, okay. I mean, it's pretty basic English, but the idea that you could get an alien to communicate that quickly is like, okay. I mean, I saw Arrival. It takes a while. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyways, sorry, that's just another movie that's also very good about teaching aliens how to communicate with us. Um, you know, they, she teaches E.T. how to speak English, and he's like, I need to go back home. And they're like, okay, yeah, cool. And so E.T.'s very smart, and he makes things float around, and he creates a communicator, which is great, so that he can communicate back to his, his people so they can come back and, you know, swing by and pick him up. So... Um, this whole time, you we kind of get these even more silhouette shots of these guys in vans listening into people's homes because they're looking for the alien. Ooh. And so, you know, they eventually come up on the house that Elliot and his brothers live in. 
well, his brother lives in. And they're like, oh, that's the house. That's the one. And so uh, E.T. sets up his communicator, which is fine. Um, it works. And when they leave the house, they start chasing after him. Uh, which is wild, because one thing I did not expect from this movie um, was a rad bike chase. Like, you've got these teenagers that are just absolutely shredding on their bikes, doing sick jumps and running from the cops. Uh, and that was neat. Like, cool. Like, the the scene, the both scenes, actually, where E.T. makes the, the bikes float, like, they fly super cool like it's got a very magical feel to it it's very very fun to watch like i love it very cool um i I was not expecting the really rad bike chase um but this of course happens i'm kind of going out of order sorry um they manage to find et and elliot because et is very sick because like I said, you know, like I mentioned earlier that like a, a Reese's Pieces didn't just make E.T. drop dead. Something about Earth is like making him die because he's not made to live here. You know, it's, it's just amazing. It took him this long to like get sick. And they do this thing where whatever E.T. is feeling, Elliot is feeling, which is not explained for any reason at all. And I don't think serves a great purpose in the movie. I don't think it's developed very well because I think the idea they were trying to go with is that Elliot feels E.T.'s feelings so that he can understand him and help him communicate with the world and like get what he needs. But at the same time, Elliot's younger sister teaches him English so that he can do it all himself. So like, uh, okay. doesn't really make sense to me. Like, the scene where E.T.'s walking around the house and, like, he's drinking the beer and all of a sudden Elliot's, like, you know, acting all weird at school. Like, that's funny. I'm, you know, it's funny. It's fun to watch. But why? And so as as E.T.'s getting sick and dying, like, Elliot's getting sick and dying. And now this, I'm going to call them the antagonists again because, again, I'm not sure. They, like, quarantine the whole house and they bring them in. And... And they're trying to save the lives, but it's like their brainwaves are in sync, which, okay. And as Elliot starts getting better, E.T. is dying. It's like, okay, that that makes, it makes sense from the fact that like E.T. is drawing on Elliot, but when he gives that up, Elliot gets better. Okay, yeah, sure. I'll buy that. It makes sense enough. But, you know, like 10 minutes later, they put E.T. on ice to carry him off to go do like science experiments on him and he comes back to life. So it's like, okay, like what was the point of all that? Uh, weird, but whatever. It doesn't seem to make any sense to me. Like it just, yeah, like we, we had no expectation at any point that ET wasn't going to get home, but like making him die for about three minutes, uh, doesn't really raise the stakes at all for us. So that's, my minor excuse, like my minor complaint there. Um, my big complaint, like overall, is this antagonists that we have. These, the guy with the keys on his belt, right? Like he comes back, 
And when they're in like this operating room, which is somehow in the living room of the family's house, the family's house is really hard to like map out in your head while watching the movie. Like it makes no sense at all, but whatever, you know, they're trying to save ET's life and Elliot's life. And after ET dies, the keys guy comes up and talks to Elliot. He's like, I've been dreaming of this since I was 10 years old. So like we learned that he's not really a villain. Like he's not a bad guy. He just, he wants to have contact with an alien and like, yeah, sure. I get it. Cool. But he's not really a bad guy and that's fine with me. But what's with, where are all these other people coming from? Like, who are these people? They are in cop cars. So it's like, are they the police? Uh, no, there's nothing on the cars that says police, but they've got sirens and guns. It's like, is this a government entity? Uh, I don't know. There's no explanation of it at all. No way for me to know who these people are, what they're about, why they care. Like, they're just kind of there to create conflict, I guess. Uh, and I thought, I was, like, talking to myself out loud in the car and coming back from the movie theater because I wanted to talk about it. So I talked about it to myself. That maybe, and I think this is a fun explanation, maybe the reason we get no explanation about who these antagonists are, these possibly government people, is because we're being told the story through Elliot's point of view. And so Elliot does not know who they are. He does not care who they are. He never learns who they are. So we never do. Like, it is all from his perspective. All he knows is that they are trying to stop him and trying to stop E.T. and trying to get him. And, like, that's all he cares. And so, like, that is, that's it. And so, that's a fun explanation. That's the only way I can write off the fact that they are completely underdeveloped and we know nothing about them. So, okay, cool, fine with me. Um, and, you know, eventually the aliens come back and the Keys guy gets to see it because he cares so much about meeting aliens. It's been his dream forever, I guess. And, you know, E.T. and Elliot have this touching moment, and E.T. goes back, and roll credits. Cool. Uh, ultimately, I liked it. Like, it was good. Um, I don't think it's the greatest movie ever made. Um, I don't even think it's, like, super fantastic. Like, I'd probably give it... It's between, like, a 7 and an 8 for me. Like, it's it's great. It's magical. Um, it's really, it's good, but it's not fantastic. There are some writing problems that I've brought up that I, it makes the story a little, a little less than it could be. So I have a little bit of an issue with that. You know, the story could have been told better. Um, one of the things I really liked is the use of puppets and models. Like, I think that's something that Hollywood has completely abandoned given the fact that we can you know, CGI stuff so much, but the use of the practical effects that E.T. was a puppet or a two foot 11 stuntman inside a costume or a 12 year old with no legs. It actually was both of those things. I'm not making that up. Um, the fact that they use like an actual person, like an actual object to interact with, uh, was great. It's really cool to watch. And the spaceship, they don't do too much with it. It's it's a model. It's a physical thing that someone made that they, you know, use a little bit of movie magic to make look a size that it was. But, like, the use of that brings a lot of charm and a lot of reality to a movie that, 
you know, if they had tried to computer generate it 40 years ago, it would look horrible. And, like, it would not age well. And, like, I think that's something that Hollywood could still do. Because movies that are 10 years old now, they can look horrible because they relied so much on computer-generated effects when you could just do it for real. So I think that was, like, a, a major strength of the movie. Um, it was really neat to see all the Star Wars references <laughs> because Steven Spielberg, the director of E.T., and George Lucas are, like, really good friends. So he's like, yeah, man, E.T., like, Sorry, not E.T. Star Wars is a huge thing, and this is a movie, like, starring kids. And, like, the kids, of course, would be obsessed with Star Wars. So, like, yeah, we're going to throw it in there. George is my buddy. It'll be cool. Eventually, E.T. shows up in Star Wars. Like, you can barely see him on screen, but, like, those aliens are in Star Wars. So, like, George kind of, like, throws the favor back. <laughs> um, like, that was cool. It was really great. Like, the John Williams score is fantastic. It's beautiful. Um, and I get why you would show that to like kids and like, it's, it's a good movie, but if I'm going to pick a Spielberg movie, uh, it's not better than Jurassic Park, not by a long shot. I don't even think it's better than Jaws. And so, and that's kind of like an unfair thing. Like Spielberg is one of the greatest directors ever. It's like, yeah, he's got a lot of great movies, but it was good. I'm glad I saw it. I'm glad I saw it in a theater. Um, I don't super care too much to see it again. Like, it's not something that's all of a sudden I just love it to death. Uh, it was good, and I enjoyed it, and I will definitely be back to see more $5 movies. So, actually, I really want to see Indiana Jones or Jurassic Park, which are other movies that I've seen that I could go see for, like, 5 bucks. Like, seeing movies like that in theaters would be absolutely incredible. Like, I, I so badly want to go do that. And I probably will. So, I'll keep you guys in the loop about that. Um, just some back, like, behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, my mom has her second wave of chemo this week on Wednesday. So, like, like I said, I've been saying it this whole time. Uh, if you could keep her in your prayers for that, that'd be really great. Um, it's every other week for the first four weeks. So, um, you know, she's being really tough and really doing well, but chemo has been hard on her. So that her second wave of that's this week. Uh, my younger siblings will be in town on Friday. So I'll get to spend my weekend with, uh, my favorite person, Ben. Um, I'm very, very excited about that. Um, let's see. I've watched 50 new movies this year which is fantastic. I'm really happy about that. Uh, I made a goal for a hundred this year and we are halfway through April and I am well, I'm, I'm at halfway through there. So like I'm well on pace to well exceed that, which is cool. Um, the Oscars are next week. That's super cool. I'm very excited about that. Uh, the Oscars are April 25th. Um, they're not live, which kind of stinks. Like, no one will actually be in attendance, so it's kind of like a presenter at home all dressed up, zooming in people that are nominated all dressed up at their homes. Like, that's that's kind of lame, but I'm still very excited about it. Um, I think by the time this comes out, my wife and I will have seen all of the Best Picture nominations, which I was kind of hoping to see more than that. Hopefully we can maybe sneak in 
some of the different movies that were nominated for like best actor that didn't make best picture. But I think next week, yeah, next week, I think Sarah and I are going to try to record a podcast together, which will be new. But I think we're going to give some, uh, you know, we, we will do a little, our reaction to the Oscars about what we picked, what we liked versus what actually happened. I think that'll be kind of a fun episode, I guess. So I think that's kind of maybe what we'll do next week. That's a tentative plan. So I think that's about it. So uh, I hope you guys have a good week. Like I always say, um, this is the end of the podcast. Uh, One thing I'll recommend to you, because I usually do that, go check out um, Inside Quotes. It's a podcast made by my two friends. I love it very much. I listen to it every week. It is a blast. They're so fun to listen to. They discuss movies from their childhood. Uh, It's great. I really enjoy it. Um, Go check that out. So that's my recommendation. Um, You know, that's it. That's the end of the podcast. So uh, if you love this podcast, share it with someone you love. If you hate it, share it with someone you hate. And until next week, be good to the people around you.